Big Ten Backers Podcast. This is your podcast for Big Ten football or anything college football related. From Jim Harbaugh's shirtless escapades to Brett Billima's hog-sized waistline with Ryan Day's beard dye or anything else in between. Big Ten Backers has the headlines from around the college football landscape. Oh, hey there, Big Ten Backers. This is your host, AJ, with Buckeye Steve. We just call him Dop Beef. Grab a beer. We'll put college football in your ear. Let's rock and roll. I got mine. Big Ten Roundup. Week three, reaction. So we had our Midwest Corn Fest game of the week. Washington Huskies win 41 to the Spartans 7. Not only was this our game of the week, me and the Beave were in attendance. We got the reactions from the fans, both Michigan State and Washington. We got three interviews from some Husky players and a football mom who got to talk about her twins playing for the Huskies. Beave, man, you really fucked up on this one. You called the upset. You said, Michigan State, we're going to take down these Huskies. Boy, that was, that was a bad one. That was a bad pick. Michigan State had nothing for them. Nothing for them at all. But man, Caleb DeBoer, he had this team ready, man. They came out dominant early. They controlled this game. 536 passing yards altogether. 177 rushing yards to go on top of that. I mean, this was pure, pure dominance. My prediction for them to win the Pac-12 is looking good. Michigan State, man, they're in rebuild mode. Tucker's supposed to be so officially fired soon. It's not a good time. For these Michigan State Spartans to be in rebuild mode. I mean, we got some major talent. One of them they just saw in Washington. But Oregon, USC, UCLA are moving over. Yeah, man. Thanks for throwing me under the bus. I guess, you know, you could just talk about the good things I do and not the bad, man. It's all good. I got to take it in the pants. That's just the way it is. You call the good with the bad and move right along. Call me out. I'm all right with that. But wait a second. I'm going to call you out, motherfucker. I'll get you at some point. Anyway, the Spartans got their ass handed to them like a Kardashian in a plastic surgeon's clinic. They are bad, but damn, this Washington team, they're the real deal. A true playoff contender in my eyes. Hopefully the Phoenix doesn't mind us using his name and purposely butchering his name in order to promote his hype. The Phoenix, I know you're listening now, man. Let us know if it bothers you. But just for that, hit us up on NIL Fan Vote. And we'll give your favorite lineman an NIL check, man. Do it. We're there. I was wrong. I was wrong to go against the Huskies. And it's payback time, man. So give me your lineman that deserves it. We got them a check. But y'all hear it now. They are a top four team right now. So keep grinding, Washington. And to that Parker family, man, mom, dad, the twins, y'all are cool as hell. That was fun talking to y'all. It was awesome to know that you're back in your home state playing a game. They're from Detroit. I I just think that's sweet, man. You go all the way across country, get to check out new things, but then you get the chance to come back home and play a game. And for years to come now, they'll be coming back home to Big Ten country and playing games. So that's pretty cool. I thought that was cool for mom and dad, for family. Like AJ said, like AJ said, go check out those interviews on NIL Fan Vote. They're on Instagram, they're on Facebook, and they're on the X. They're pretty damn cool, man. Back to the game. It was really a shutout for the first stringers, man. They didn't score till late in mop-up duty Michigan State, so I give them the shutout. Let's take a look at some of these stats. Michael Penix Jr., 27 of 35 for 473 yards and four touchdowns, dude. 
Now, take a look at this. We were talking like some crazy stuff about these receivers not matching up with Ohio State's receivers because we just wanted to get their opinion. But man, in this game, ooh, buddy, they did. They have the number one spot in this game for sure. Roma Duze, eight receptions, 188 yards. That's a 22.5 yard average. Jalen Polk, five receptions, 118 yards, 23.6 average, one touchdown. Jalen McMillan, I think he went out of the game. He got hurt four receptions for 96 yards, 24-yard average. And then also this Josh Cuevas, he had like something like 56 yards. And so they have an awesome receiving crew. Phoenix was hitting it everywhere. I mean, there wasn't even time for anyone to rush him. He was getting that ball out. You could see him do the check down and split seconds, man. He was getting it done. Like I saw him go boom, 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 one, two, three, boom, open guy. He was taking whatever the defense gave him. And he is precision, dude. Precision. This guy's a Heisman candidate. I mean, he's going to be there. He has to be there. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins it. I have to say, though, the environment for the Michigan State fans was awesome. They still had a good time. They were partying despite this ass raping. The fans, they stayed. They cheered. They were awesome. I mean, you know, half the stadium left, but the ones that stayed were awesome. They made fun of themselves and were in good spirits after the game. But who do they hire in East Lansing anyway? You got any ideas? The Colorado offensive coordinator, maybe even Prime himself. What do you think? Uh, I think it's a little too early for Prime to leave, but that's the kind of coach Michigan State will need to hire for these guys to bounce back. I think they dug themselves a big hole and they're going to have a hell of a time digging out of this one. Yeah, I'm not done with the stats yet, even though. Check this out. Go off that total yardage, 713 to 261. There's a difference here, a difference of 452 yards. Let me repeat that. 452 yards. That's a whole fucking other game of yardage. That's insane, dude. I've never seen anything like that. I mean, it's probably happened against like Colgate or something, but damn, against Michigan State? It was pure dominance, Beef. I mean, pure, absolute, I own these. We might as well call them the Washington Spartans. Like that bad owned. Like you're my bitch owned. I'm going to put you on a leash like a little dog. They drug them around. That's for sure. Drug them all around the field. But like I said, the fans were cool. I hope they do good. There were even some fans saying like, I feel bad for this team. They didn't have their coach. And I kind of get that. You know, when the leader of the team goes out, there's not a lot of hope. I mean, they have to have a really, really, really good locker room to step up in the absence of the leader of the team, man. No doubt. But I'm... I guess we better move on. We could probably talk about this game all day since we were there. So we got to see a lot of the sights and the sounds and the Michigan State fold up. But, you know, we're going to move on. And let's talk about some of these other big games in the Big Ten. We got number seven, Penn State. They win 30 to 14 against Illinois. I said it before the game. Say it again. Penn State, man, looking like the second best team in the Big Ten. I know Ohio State looked better this week, but I still think Penn State looks like the better team. Manny Diaz, I mean, James Franklin got this higher right. He has turned that defense a little more special, man. They got three turnovers in the first quarter. Not all the credit goes to that defense, though. Luke Altmeyer kind of looked terrible, man. He was handing the ball over. He was just a turnover machine. If I had to take a little bit of a knock at the Nittany Lions, they didn't have the best red zone offense, in my opinion, in the first half. But man, what happened to Illinois? Brett Billima looked like he had this team turned around. It looked like this program was going in the right direction. But man, they got to figure out these slow starts. They got to figure out some kind of ball control. I mean, they are handing handing the ball over to the other team, just giving them the game. And it's been every game so far this season where they're just kind of slow start. 
Definitely look like they're missing Ryan Walters on D as well. I mean, they still played pretty solid in this game, but as a season as a whole, they've had some issues on D. Beef, what's going on here with Penn State and then them burnt in the bellies? Yeah, man, you keep saying second in the Big Ten, but I think it's debatable for first. They're looking solid, man. That Drew Aller is the real deal. The defense is the real deal. They have everything. They have the linemen. They have the defensive linemen. Like you said, they got their man, Manny Diaz, coaching the D. So they're looking good. I like what I see out of Penn State. This was their first road test, and it was against a solid team. The Illini could make a game out of a game with anyone, really. I think they keep it relatively close throughout their Big Ten play. Drew Aller didn't have the best game, a little over 200 yards and no TDs, but he didn't need to. Because like you said, Luke Altmaier was handing over balls like Dylan Mavaney. It was nuts, man. Four interceptions. And, and the team had five turnovers. Statistically, it's damn near impossible to win a game with four turnovers, let alone five, man. Man, like I don't think I've ever seen a team play that sloppy coming out the gates at home. Like it'd be different if they were playing at Penn State, but at home, come on, Bert, come on, man, you gotta get your team, you gotta get your team ready. Oh, that was ridiculous. But let's move on, man. Louisville, they win at Indiana, twenty-one to fourteen. This was a freaking weird game. So. Louisville comes out and they score the first 21 points of the game in the first half. And halftime is 21 Yeah, shit's over, right? Yeah, you would think it's over. You think there's just nothing Indiana can do. But then all of a sudden, Indiana comes out of the second half. They totally shut out the Louisville offense. They score 14 points and they're on fourth and goal at the one to tie this game. They do get stopped and they don't tie the game. Definitely looks like Indiana appears to have a good D. They definitely... Adjust well at halftime. If they could only get offense to kind of go with it, is this a little Iowa we got growing here? Just can't play any O, has decent defense. But they, man, their offense, their offense could not fight their way through a plastic bag. This was, this is pretty pathetic for Tom Allen. I don't know what to say. He's going to have to get out of there. I think they need some kind of new, new juice and new love at the head coach position. But I got nothing else here, Beef. Yeah, this was a really strange game, man. There's not a lot to say. I believe there was one turnover on each side and an interception for each team. It's like the ACC just stopped playing in the second half. Really, just Florida State and Louisville. The record for this Indiana team isn't going to show it because they've already had two losses. But this is a a solid team. Not a good team, but a solid team. And that defense is going to give some people fits, even the big boys in the Big Ten. But not a lot of stats to talk about, really, for this game. There wasn't a lot happening. Kind of a boring, but very, very odd, strange game, like you mentioned. And let's just move along to the next one. That was weird, man. I don't even know what to say about it. Minnesota loses 13-32 against North Carolina. The Golden Gophers took their road trip down some tarred-up tobacco road and ended up roadkill. North Carolina made quick of these Gophers, man. They caddyshacked their asses, sent their asses right back home with this loss. Old Cali licking my anus. was terrible once again. No one invested in these flat coins because they're not turning out. It's a bust, man. This Roro thing ain't working. Everybody abandoned ship. We all up shit creek without a paddle. That seems to be the kind of slogan for the Big Ten and these out-of-conference games so far this year. What a joke. Mac Brown, he gets another win. Choked another coach. North Carolina's primed to compete in the ACC. Beef. Where do the Gophers go from here? I really don't know. I mean, they're a, a good enough team. Good enough to spoil another good Big Ten team season. They're going to have just enough to spoil someone's season, but have nothing to show for it at the end of their own season. Watch for them to knock off a really good team in the West, but this team just limits itself with its offense. The weird thing was, you know, they must have a really good defense. Drake May didn't have the best of stats against them. What was it? He had two touchdowns and two interceptions. It wasn't his best game for sure. 
Yeah, he was uh, 29 of 40. He did have 414 yards, but two touchdowns, two interceptions. So 414 yards is pretty damn good for anyone. But I think he took himself out of Heisman contention. I don't I don't think the Fleck coin is really going to be a, a good sell this year. He needs a running back. Fleck just wants to run the ball like he used to, and he doesn't have that powerful back. I mean, Mo Ibram's gone, and he needs him back. I mean, you have an NFL running back on your team, and you rely on him, and then you don't have a quarterback the next year to take over or a running back. There's no more paddling. There's no more rows in the boat. Let's get on to the next game. Another ACC beat down of the Big Ten. Syracuse derails Purdue 35-20. to We both thought Purdue would find a way to get this win, man. But they turned right back to Perdon't status. Good job, Boilermakers. Way to make us look bad. This game looked like it was played in the 60s. Not a single passing TD. It was nothing but five TDs on the ground for the Orange. Five. I'll repeat that. Five TDs on the ground for the Orange, and there was no offensive passing team. What is this, a service academy offense? It must be. I mean, Perdon't, what's that stand for? Perdon't have a defense. Come on, Ryan. That's what you got hired for was to bring in defense. This was a brutal game to watch. Four turnovers, too. Man, this was bad performance by Purdue. They were handing the ball over like a drunk man with his keys. The ACC really owned a Big Ten this week. Sad, man. Super sad. You got anything you want to add, Beef? No, it's kind of interesting. All this money that the Big Ten's raking in, all this money that the SEC's raking in, the two power conferences aren't really having the best conference record. This is a Purdue team. Like I had high hopes for them after that win against Virginia Tech. I was like, hell yeah, Purdue's on it again. They're going to win the West again. Nope. Man, it's and that win against Virginia Tech is looking worse this week. You know what happened with Virginia Tech? What did they do? I mean, Virginia Tech decided to play another Big Ten team. Choked on it. I'll say this. Everybody pay attention to what I got to say. Pay attention. Rutgers is 3-0. I said it. Rutgers. Rutgers is 3-0. They stuffed these turkeys on Saturday. Virginia Tech looking like a damn Christmas vacation turkey. Dried up and done. Virginia Tech is bad. Boy, have they fallen from the Bima air. Greg Schiano, though, I got to give him some love. I got to give him his flowers. He's got this ground game working. 256 yards in this game. 7.5 yards a carry. They're leading the Big Ten in rushing yards per game. Rutgers, man. You see, can you hear me, Beef? Rutgers was dominant. I mean, dominant. Is this the real life, Beef? Are we living in the real life? It's the real deal, man. Is Shiano still chopping wood? Because I'm pretty sure he laid the wood in the first three games this year. 3-0 and start. You're on it, man. 3-0. and That's so awesome. I mean, I'm happy for the man. And I'll be completely honest. I have not watched a single game let alone a highlight of Rutgers all this season. With all our traveling, it's been hard to catch up on the big games, let alone Rutgers. And they were down at the bottom of the barrel, man. But I'll be watching this weekend. You can definitely count on that as they take on Michigan. It'll be interesting because they actually have a team and Shiano's not afraid to take chances in big games, man. He's going to roll all the dice. He's going to bring out anything he's got. Trick plays, any trick play, you know, an onside kick, a fake punt, a flea flicker. Like you look for anything in this game coming up against Michigan because he's going to pull out all the stops, man. Uh, let's talk about some of the other big Big Ten teams. They had some opponents that weren't necessarily sexy, but you know, we're still going to cover them because it's the Big Ten, right? Uh, so Maryland, once again, they play and they give their opponent 14 points. They go down 14 to nothing for the third week in a row just to come back and win like 42 to 14 like they did over Virginia. How many times can you spot someone 14 points, go down 14-0, and then end up blowing them out? It's kind of amazing little Maryland side story. But that's all I got on that. Yeah, I mean, they got to stop that once they get in the Big Ten play. And once they start 
playing the big three of the Big Ten. So they got to start off strong, much like Illinois has got to start off strong. Let's move right along. Duke Downs Northwestern, 38 to 14. Mike Elko had to brag about Duke beating a mighty Big Ten team and took shots at, at the Big Ten. It's Duke. Calm down, Mike. But the ACC did run wild on the Big Ten this past week. North fucking Western. I mean, they did. There's there's no doubt about North it. North fucking Western, man. But as a whole, ACC did good. But anyways, Wisconsin, they take down Georgia Southern 35 to 14, you know, average game. Yeah. And Iowa, Iowa did it, man. They got their points. Brian Ferentz. Round of applause to you, buddy. Round of applause, Brian. Iowa downs Western Michigan 41 to 14. They scored 41 fucking points, man. They're back on schedule, back on track, but they got a big problem around the corner, man, at Penn State. That's next on the docket. Good luck getting your points on that game. But I got to give it to Brian, man. I got to give him credit where credit is due. I've been busting his balls so much. The man delivered. Delivered when he needed to. I mean, he was on razor thin lines there. And, you know, the interesting part is his contract terminates if he does not make the 25 points a game. But it doesn't say they're not going to rewrite another contract. So I think he's safe. If I know Iowa, he's always going to be safe. His mom's going to take care of him. But, you know, shout out to him. He did his job. Got a lot of points up. His mom's probably going to make him his favorite casserole now. So good job. Proud of you. But anyways, Matt Rule and Nebraska, they finally get their first win. I mean, granted, it was over Northern Illinois, but they still pulled out the dub 35 to 11. Yo, Matt Rule and Nebraska, let's get rolling. Let's get a couple more underneath the belt. And to the next team, your number one team in the Big Ten, probably mine too. But I think Penn State's got an argument. J.J. McCarthy played ugly and Michigan won 31 to 6 against Bowling Green. Bowling Green, the SDD capital of the world. We got to get more out of you. It's going into Big Ten play. And it's not like you sleepwalked because Rutgers is on your schedule next. I mean, maybe they should have since they're 3-0, and but still, it's not a big game. It's not like you're going against the Notre Dames of the world, the Alabamas of the world. What are you sleepwalking through? You got to win this game. You got to win big. It's you know We gave Ohio State a lot of shit when they weren't winning big against small teams. We got to give Michigan the same love. And by love, I mean take a dump on their chest. Sometimes you got to take a dump on a chest. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, man, they got to figure it out. Jim Harbaugh's back next week. I think they'll start getting things ironed back out. You know, when you're playing nothing but cupcakes, your belly gets a little full and it can turn into a snooze fest at times. Uh, But let's talk about Ohio State. They finally found the offense of days past and they topped the Hilltoppers 63 to 10. Defense. Defense, man, they did did good. Like everybody's going to say, oh, it's just Western Kentucky. But they don't really know. This offense is electric and scores points on everybody. This is the fewest points this program has scored in three years. Just an interesting little stat there. But yeah, I mean, the defense is looking right. Offense looks like it's trying to figure it out. You better hope it's good enough because Notre Dame's this Saturday. But that kind of wraps up all of our Big Ten games. We're going to move on. We're going to get this ball trimmer out. We're going to trim the landscape, baby. Let's get it all trimmed up looking nice and pretty. All right. This week three was not a loaded schedule at all. Not in the least bit, but this next week's going to be fun. But let's talk about week three and what piqued our interest. Kansas State versus Missouri. The Missouri Tigers upset the 15th ranked Wildcats 30-27 to after a 61-yard field goal off the foot of Harrison the Boot Melvin. That boy has some length. This is one of the more competitive games of the weekend. The Tigers appear to be the weaker of the two teams, only going 3-13 and on third down. 
But then the Tigers kind of figured it out in the fourth and the second half, score 13 points to Kansas State's three, and they honor Memorial Stadium again, baby. Yeah, on paper, it looked like a blowout. I agree with you. I haven't seen length like that since, well, never. It was an SEC record, and it got me thinking, what's the record for the longest field goal in NCAA history? October 16th, 1976. Abilene Christian University versus Texas State. 69 yards. This guy was hitting 70 in pregame. There was a tailwind of 12 miles an hour that didn't hurt. But first time listeners, I usually don't spend that much time talking about kickers. I promise. This was just one of those things, man. He had to talk 61 yards, man. That's a fucking boot. It's some. It's worth. It wasn't a random sixty-one yarder. It was a sixty-one yard last seconds to win the game. Game winner. I'd talk about it if it wasn't a sixty-one yarder. That's impressive. Anyway, let's move on to the next game. BYU Arkansas. What you got for us, man? Cougars win 38-31. Take it in Razorback territory on a Saturday evening. I stated this last episode. No one was thinking about this game. Said it was going to be a sleeper. Everybody should tune in. Turned out to be a great game. This one will be something BYU keeps in its memory bank for a long time. The QB Slovis of BYU hooks up with Chase Roberts with eight minutes to go in the game. Take the lead and they hold on to the win from there. Arkansas came out strong, man. They came out, went up 14 to nothing and went limp late. It happens to the best of us. Sorry, Arkansas. But BYU scores the last 13 other points of the game to seal the deal. Break it down for me, Beef. Man, I thought we would be talking about the stat line for KJ Jefferson because he's a stud, but nope, another loss, another bad look for the SEC. Like I said earlier, man, the money makers of the college football landscape, they're looking bad. The Big Ten and the SEC are losing to these non-conference foes. Quarterback Brady Cook for BYU was 23 of 35 for 356 yards and two tutties. And Luther Burden was definitely a burden on those Razorbacks. Seven receptions for 114 yards and two touchdowns. Hell of a game, man. Good for the Cougs. Big win. They're going to go back to Mormon country, chilling all high, not dancing, not getting high, obviously, and not drinking, but they're going to be feeling good. Yes, sir. We had another game down in SEC. Nice little rivalry game. We had Bobby Hill and the Volunteers traveling out to the swamp. And of course, they always have trouble in the swamp and they get dumped 29 to 16 by the Gators. I'll say it one more time. Gators take care of the Volunteers 29 to 16. Florida was ready, man. They controlled the clock. They had the ball for 37 minutes. Tennessee only had it for 23 Swamp Ash Joe and the Volunteers were asleep for a huge portion of this game. They didn't score for a long freaking time. They scored in the first five minutes of the game, and then they wouldn't score again until the end of the fourth quarter. Pure dominance from 10 minutes left in the first and then giving up a garbage touchdown late. Florida came out, got these guys, acting like they were the Swamp Kings, man. That The Swamp was pumping, and they rule this rivalry once again. Beave, your thoughts? Yeah, with that Graham Mertz controlled offense, throwing the ball from the quarterback position. That's the only way they win games. You got to control a clock. You got to eat it up. 37 minutes. Why the hell is Tennessee in the top 25? First of all, in the top 25, let alone in front of Florida. What the hell are the top 25 AP poll voters think? They just got blown out by Florida. There's not any other games that they have on their schedule that are worth a damn. Doesn't make any sense. Florida at least has a good loss with a top 15 team in Utah. It was an away game in the first game of the season. And then they just boat race Tennessee. Why are they not ahead of Tennessee at the very least? It makes zero sense. This is why the AP poll is garbage. Like, throw that shit out. Take our poll. Ten times better. 
And I guarantee you when we release it later this week, Tennessee is not going to be ranked above Florida. That's just asinine. But you were right when you talked about Joe Milton transferring. He hasn't been the starter anywhere he's been for a reason initially. Now he's a starter because there's nothing else. And just losing out to other people. And this was his time to shine. Didn't shine, baby. No shine on them shoes. There's no better way than to end a rivalry game with a scuffle. I mean, Heifel took a timeout with seconds left while his team was getting boat raced. And then everyone gets into a melee. There's four players suspended for the next game. It was kind of awesome. I mean, I don't condone the fights, especially in a football game when everyone has helmets on. It's kind of fucking stupid to throw a fist into a helmet. Doesn't make any sense to me, but still kind of cool to watch. Speaking of that, when we get to Colorado, there's more to talk about there. But there's no real stats of note other than Milton had one interception, one fumble lost, and oh, Tennessee has not won in the Swamp since 2003. The record continues, baby. Speaking of swamps, let's move to LSU, man. Number 14 LSU. Played Mississippi State. They win big. They destroy the Bulldogs in Mississippi State. Bang. Mississippi State gave up more touchdowns than they have S's in their name. LSU scores early and often. Ricky Suave style, man. They were just out there getting it. This is ugly one for the Bulldogs. Beave, is it just me? Or does LSU look like the power to beat in the SEC West? Or maybe even the SEC in general? Yeah, LSU. Maybe we dropped them a little too far. They're shooting back up there to the top. No, really, it's just a bad MSU team, man. Mississippi State's terrible. Not the only MSU team that was bad this weekend. That's a big nothing burger as far as a win. But boy, oh boy, Jaden Daniels and to the Malik Neighbors connection, that was fucking special, dude. Jaden Daniels, 30 of 34 for 361 yards and two touchdowns. He had two touchdowns rushing as well. Four total TDs. Malik Neighbors, dude. 13 receptions for 239 yards and two touchdowns. It was a thing of beauty. I mean, he was dropping those balls in there like it was throwing on air. That that connection was special. And if it, he continues to do that against other teams, there were some coverage mistakes and things like that. But Neighbors was burning people. Daniels was dropping it right in the bread basket. It was an awesome connection. I'm impressed. And there's more to watch. I mean, we do have to move LSU up for sure. But I don't know how much to read into was this LSU or was that Mississippi State just being terrible. What do you think? I mean, the reason I say that they're probably the best team in the SEC West, I mean, who's in their way? Like Ole Miss? I, got- I mean, Bama's not what they were. Their docket isn't looking as full as it used to. So maybe they're not the talented LSU we've seen in the past, but they're still the SEC West isn't the SEC West over what it used to be either. I'm still calling Ole Miss, man. I'm on that train. I'm on the lane train, baby. Jump on that lame lane train. I always used to call him lame kitten back when he was at USC. I'm on that lane train. I'm not getting off, baby. All right. You enjoy the ride. I'm going to move on down to South Carolina at Georgia. The dogs, man, they struggled early in this one. Much like me on a Monday, man. Just don't want to do it. They go down 14 to 3 at the half. The dogs, they come out, man. They come out from the break and they cock block the cocks. They score 21 unanswered points to win this game 24 to 14. Started off ugly. Every team has these games. I hope people don't overly freak out to it. But it was kind of a scary beginning where everybody was kind of like, oh man, upset special. But Georgia did their thing. Came out of the second half, adjusted, put the cocks back where they belong. The dogs running game, man, it was strong. Three running backs grab a TD in this game and they ruin the upset-minded game cocks. What you got, Beef? What you want to add? I got one question for you. Where do the cocks belong? Uh, I mean, that's up to the driver, right? (laughs) That's true. Well, maybe. In some cases, it's up to other people, but I digress. Let's talk about football, baby. We talked about this before this happened. 
This was their first real competition. You got to show me something. You want to be a national title contender? Show me something against competition. Like, I have to drop you now on my poll. I don't have a choice. Like, I know that you have it, but it's based on last year. I got nothing this year to work with. Nothing. Like, you might have a bad game. Where are your other opportunities to show me you're for real? Where are they? Is it going to be Kentucky? No. I mean, Kentucky's a decent team, but you got to show me against them. You got to blow them out. They were blowing people out at this point last year. They had one or two games, Missouri last year. I think there was another one. Was it South Carolina again, too, that they weren't blowing people out? They had destroyed South Carolina last year. They struggled with Kent State and they struggled with Missouri, which is kind of a weird two teams. Mm -hmm. But they end up winning the title. So I think every team has these kind of days, these kind of games where they're just a little, little flat. Yeah, but when you don't have a schedule, I mean, they came out and they had Oregon to start the season. You got to have someone. You got to have those big games. You're not national title caliber. They limp dick their way to this win, brother. Oh, they did. There's no doubt about it. Let's get on to another game, man. This was our Michael Vick dogfight game of the week. (laughs) But man, this game, there was bad blood historically. There was bad blood days before. There's bad blood during. And I know there's bad blood well after, man. Colorado, Colorado State, both fan bases are still hot steamed. There were some late hits that got Hunter injured. There was some eye poking going on. I mean, this game was just riddled with bad blood. The sunglass wearing, hat on his head, handshake and primetime Neon Dion gets the win in Boulder. This was a double overtime thriller and a chiller in the Battle of the Rockies, man. Jay Norvell had his Rams ready to go. These blue collared warriors seem to have this win in hand. But then the Rams, man, they clocked out a little too early, left their lunch pails out, and the Sanders and the boys stole their lunch pail. Flags on the play, man. That was the end of the game. And that destroyed the waning moments of any dreams of Colorado State upsetting these buffs. Beef, break down this Rocky Mountain thriller. How did we hide this at the end of the segment almost, man? This should have been number one. Cedor Sanders, 38 of 47. 80.9 completion percentage, 348 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. Dude, listen to his stats for the season. 107 completions for 136 attempts. And I'm saying this slowly because you got to get this, man. This is insane. 78.7 completion percentage, 1,251 yards, 10 touchdowns, and one interception. We're not even a quarter of the way through the season. He's got season stats already. I just can't imagine these kind of stats after three weeks of play. This is insane, dude. Now I know why Dion is wearing those shades, man. These dudes are off the charts. I mean, the mercury is busting out of the damn thermometer. He's got to wear those shades or his eyes will burn out of his head. It's not just him, man. The team has the writing of a college football PR marketing book. I mean, they wrote the book on PR marketing and college football. A-list celebrities all over the field, all over campus. They ran out of red carpet in Boulder, man. That first interception Cedor threw for the year had me like, whoa, here it comes back to reality. But no, his brother's like, I got your back, man. And he immediately gets a pick six, takes it to the house. Yo, brother, I got you. And then, of course, Prime goes over and gives him the hug and tells him, you know, how good he is and how he needs to keep it going. Keep that marketing campaign going. We're going to make this money, buddy. We writing checks and we got receipts. The fairy tale got to come to an end eventually. And it's coming to an end this week in Eugene, I think. 
How much does Hunter being out hurt this team? Initial reports were three to five weeks with that lacerated liver. I think he's going to be out for the season. In fact, there was stuff that just came out while we were talking in between. He might be out for the season, buddy. Puts a damper on that parade. It does for sure. And it's sad. No one likes to see star players go. No one likes to see injured players in general. So definitely some sad news there. Man, he was primed to have a great season. He was doing his thing on both sides of the ball. It was insane. But yo, man, prime time though. You're talking about marketing? This guy wears one set of sunglasses for a couple weeks. These prime 21 golds, man, they've sold a $1.2 million worth. Everything this guy touches is just gold magic, man. Yeah. He's a smart dude, man. He knows what he's doing. He's known what he's doing since he was his playing days, man. He's able to get that attention. He knows what he's doing and he backs up the talk. That's the key point. You got to back up that talk. Like he's bringing receipts. He can show you what he's done. He can talk all the talk he wants when he's bringing receipts. Yeah, no doubt about it. And everybody only likes to see the flash. Like, but this dude is a grinder. I mean, if you ever hear his like speeches at halftime or his pregame speeches, like this dude will tell you how to go to work. He'll tell you how to put in the work. He'll make his players put in the work, believe in the work and come out and, and do what they've done as a college football program. Look beyond the flash. The flash is the marketing, but look deeper into the to neon neon, man, because there is some real man structure in that in that guy. He can just grind like no other and it's showing out for the buffs. But he's got that connection with the kids, man. I mean, he's shown what he can do in life. He's shown what he can do in the NFL. That's where all these boys want to be. They want to be in the NFL. They want to have marketing campaigns. They want to be able to sell sunglasses and shoes. I mean, who wouldn't want to go there? He's going to be stealing recruits from the big boys. It's not going to be long. Man, I can't imagine what next year's recruiting cycle is going to be like. It's going to be fucking awesome, dude. Uh, It's definitely going to be insane. And that's what I mean. Look past the flash. Look past the natural talent. There's a lot of people who have that natural talent, but Neon, Dion brings that natural talent with that work ethic, with that grind. And that's what sets him apart, man. He's the best of both worlds. And that's what made him the best at everything he touches. And it's just a matter of time before he's got these Colorado buffs or whatever team he ends up coaching, competing for big time things in college football. I wouldn't leave that area, man. Once you're in Boulder, it's a beautiful place. It is no doubt. You know, we got to move on. We could probably sit here and talk about Colorado for hours, but there were some other games and I got to give B credit for this one. I gave him a little hell for saying Michigan State was going to upset Washington. But this one, he said, give me Boston College and the points. They're going to cover against Florida State. And they did more than that. I mean, they came damn close to pulling this upset. I mean, Florida State was doing their best to match the weather. They blew a freaking 21-point lead. They did end up winning 31-29. to With the amount of win and blow going around up there in Boston, you would have think Florida State was playing the U in Miami. Boston College goes on a 19-point run, unanswered, to make this thing interesting in the end. Beef, should we punish Florida State in the polls for this performance? Listen, 11 minutes into the fourth quarter, it was 31-16. to 16. The game was over. Boston College had 13 points in the fourth quarter, and Florida State had none. And they got it within two points, and that's how the game ended. Crazy, but I called the point spread, redeeming some of my other garbage picks. Florida State was up big, and they just took their foot off the gas pedal, man. It's not a good look, but it's not like it was back and forth all game. They had them. They just took their foot off the gas, man. And sometimes this happens. I still like Florida State. I like them a lot. They got a lot of talent. The weather was crazy. It was a long trip up to Boston College. So I, I got to give them a little bit of credit here. But yeah, yeah, you could drop them a peg or two. That's, that's not a problem to me. 
Right now, it's about what have you done? We can do the body of work later. A win is a win. But later on, like we can balance everything out. Right now, it's what have you done right now? Yeah. Speaking of what have you done right now, what has Alabama done right now? I don't know if it's USF or Alabama, but man, USF kind of looked like the controller of elephants and the it was 3-3 at the half, Beef. USF tied with Alabama at the half at three points. Alabama does come out, win this thing 17-3. to Does a tied just mean tied with shit opponents at the half these days? Like what the hell is going on in Alabama? There is some major issues happening. They got no quarterback. Seems like they made some bad OC hires. Their quarterback only averaged 4.7 yards per pass. Their running average was better at 4.8. But even that, it's not a bad day, but that's definitely not good for an Alabama team playing a USF beef. How bad are these trailers rolling up in Alabama? Well, the trailers are hitched up and they're rolling down the road right now. It's gone. Saban kind of made this a play-in game for quarterbacks. That's my take on it. He rolled the dice with the two backups. It worked for him in the past, you know, when he put two in in a national championship game. But much like the Transformers, he was searching for a spark. He didn't get the spark, didn't find it in Tyler Buckner or Ty Simpson, and now he's going back to Jalen Milrow. Let's not confuse this as like a gritty win. The B in Alabama right now stands for bad. I thought, you know, Texas's line dominated them. But now I'm realizing, and I think a lot of other people are in the national landscape, they have real problems without a working QB. And maybe, maybe just the awesome QB play in the past has kept them from showing some of their true colors on the offensive line. Now I think people will kind of understand why initially in our polls, the NIL fan vote polls, we held off on ranking teams high with quarterbacks that were unproven. This is a prime example. We held Bama down. We held OSU down, Ohio State, and we held Georgia down because we didn't know who they had back there manning the ship. But on a side note, I still have Ole Miss winning the SEC West, baby. Yeah, and Ole Miss will get a chance to make a step in the right direction come Saturday. Man, this Saturday slate's going to be awesome. But, B, before we get out of here, let's give these guys AJ and B's best quickies. West Virginia and Pitt. West Virginia wins the backyard brawl, 17-6. to Nevada at Kansas. Kansas survives a close one, 31-24. Yeah, and then Miami, Ohio beats Cincinnati 31-24 in overtime for the first time in 16 years. Those of you who aren't Ohioans might not realize this is a huge rivalry. Sacramento State versus Stanford. Sacramento State upset Stanford. Surprise, surprise. 30-23. to Didn't I tell everyone after the week that USC beat Stanford? that they were just a garbage team. Yeah, I think I did. I think it said more about Stanford than it did about the defense at USC. Hey, how do we forget to mention Texas-Wyoming, man? It was 10-10 to at the end of the third quarter. I mean, going into the fourth quarter, Texas, who we just thought was world beaters, number one in our poll, was tied with Wyoming starting the fourth quarter. And we both called that last week. We both said that they might come out a little uh, drained. You know, it's kind of like getting in there repeatedly. Sometimes, you know, you need a little water. Got to get got to get juice backed up. Sluggish, 10-10 in the third, like you said. But man, after you beat Alabama on the road, you got to understand it's hard to come back and, and be ready for a team like Wyoming. They were number four in returning production this year. So that that's nothing to take lightly. That return in production is a big thing. That's why we put Florida State so high. And when I saw Wyoming way up there, I was like, oh, yeah, but it's Wyoming. But now I'm like, oh, 
it is Wyoming. I mean, they're hanging in there with Texas and and beating Texas Tech. Just thought I had to throw out there because, I mean, that was an interesting game to me, an interesting end of the third quarter. And that's kind of how college football works, man. That makes me question Texas's ability to win a national title. That's all I need to say. Yeah, I think I don't think we can count out every team who has a struggle moment. And like we just eliminated half of college football if we're going to do that beef. I think every team's going to have these moments. If it's a repetitive moment, let's go ahead and, and call them out. But if it's a singular moment, I mean, what championship team hasn't done that? I mean, a win's a win. And it is something that you got to keep an eye on. I think I think my biggest point with this was Wyoming's a good team, man. And they can compete with a lot of different people. And they see that Wyoming name and they don't see the brand. But Wyoming's here to play. Keep an eye on those guys. They're going to smash someone good in the bowl game. Watch. Yes, sir. All right, let's get on out of here, Beef. Let's hang it up. All right. Big Ten backers are out. God bless y'all. Big Ten Backers Podcast. Follow our sponsors at NIL Fanboat on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and the thread. Also visit the website, NILFanboat.com. Oh, no Midwest goodbye today. Yeah.